0: This is the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast, Episode 39. This is the show where I interview the most successful pizza entrepreneurs and marketing experts in the business today. Listen as I ask them what it takes to run a successful pizza business or what's working in marketing in 2015. Hey everybody! Welcome back to the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. Before we get into today's episode with our very special guest, I wanted to let you know that we've teamed up with Audible to give you a free audiobook. And if you're listening to this, we know you like audio, so head over to audibletrial.com forward slash Smart Pizza to download your free audiobook and a 30 day free trial today. Also, we're working on some great email templates and op. Uh, email subject lines to help you get better open rates and to convert better on your email. So if you're using email and you need a little help, shoot me an email, bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com, and I can go send you those email templates for uh, like if you want to get larger orders or if someone places an order with you, follow-up emails to get them to place their order more frequently. There's certain things that you can say to get them to order more frequently and open subject lines to get more emails open. So if you like those for free, just shoot me an email, Bruce at smartpizamarketing.com, and I will send you those as soon as I can. All right, let's get into today's episode. I have a great guest on with me. His name is Dave Summers, and he is the owner of Mad the co-owner of Mad Mushroom in his four locations, two are in Kentucky and two are in Indiana. Uh, both by universities. I think it's Kentucky University and Purdue University. And Dave Join me from his store, and we talk about you know how he started in the business, what his initial thoughts were about the pizza business, and what he really wanted to do. Uh, how he got into owning Mad Mushroom, and how he finds employees now. What he thinks of the new generation of employees. Some things that he does to organize his staff and his managers. And uh, just some good stuff in general. So it's a great talk. Dave Summers of Mad Mushroom Pizza. I enjoyed the talk with him. I hope that you guys enjoy it as well. Get something out of it. And let's just get right into this episode with Dave Summers. All right. Hey, Dave. We have Dave Summers from the Mad Mushroom Pizza. How are you, Dave? I'm doing well, Bruce. How are you today? Great. Thank you uh, so much for taking the time out and uh, coming on with us to talk about your business. My pleasure. So could you give us a little background about yourself? You know, How did you get into the pizza industry? How did you get started with Mad Mushroom? all that good stuff?
1: Uh, certainly. I uh, pizza business started uh, as my first job when I was 14 years old. I uh, was looking for some way to earn some cash like most other teenagers. And the only place that would uh, hire me was uh, Little Caesars Pizza. <laughs> so I started with them and worked, uh, worked there throughout high school. And, uh, right before I was getting off to college, I can remember the one, uh, one of the managers there was like, Hey, you know, stay with us. We'll be able to get you your own store here as soon as you turn 18. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to head off to college. I don't, I don't think I want to be in pizza the rest of my life and went off to college to study restaurant management and, uh, started working for pizzerias at college, including mad mushroom and, uh, from there, I grew within the company from a delivery driver and pizza maker up to an assistant manager to a general manager, eventually to the point where the original owners were ready to get out of the business. And I was able to, uh, my partner and I were able to purchase it from them.
0: Now, when you purchased the business, was it, how many locations are there now?
1: Uh, we have four locations currently.
0: And when you purchased it, were there four locations?
1: Um, when I purchased it from them, there were, uh, three locations, but there are four locations. One of them was out in Colorado, which is one that they sold off because we didn't want to have, uh, such a long distance between where we were in our locations. It's part of the reason why they were getting out right? because they weren't able to be so hands on, which we believe is very important in our industry is to have the, somebody who loves the business being in the business now on a daily basis to be able to be there. So that one got sold off to another pizza company and my partner and I, uh, took over the three locations in the Midwest.
0: So how was that going from, you know, being a store manager? Did you, when you were the store manager, did you manage all of the locations other than the one that was obviously far away in Colorado?
1: Um, no, it's, uh, I had worked at our location at Purdue University uh, when I was in college there, and then I moved down to our location uh, at the University of Kentucky. And so how, I had worked in both of those locations, but I wasn't overseeing them.
0: Okay, but you were familiar with them. Yes. How was that transition for you, going from you know being a manager of one to you know now having to operate three locations?
1: Um. It wasn't too much different, to be honest. Uh, we'd already we already knew our staff. We had already been in the business ourselves. Um, my partner was kind of more of the overseer at the time, so when I was joining him on that level, I was more of a oh, uh, what's that word I'm looking for? Um, basically, a go-between, really, from the store level to to what they would consider upper, upper management, and it made the transition easier, in my opinion, because you had people who had just been at that level and able to understand what each what the employees at each store were going through. Right. And that's something I try to think of each day currently. You know, when we make decisions on what we're doing, we try to think of it, how it's going to affect all of our employees first.
0: How big of a decision was that for you to say? You know what, I I want to buy the, this this business. I want to be you know a pizza operator when it comes to owning my own business, being a being a pizza entrepreneur. How how would uh, walk us through that thought process of going from manager to owner? Was that a hard decision for you to make?
1: Not at all. Um, the previous owners had always promised me a a ownership percentage as the company grew, and that's why I had stuck with the company when I, f- I had finished college. And then it just instead of getting a small percentage at the time, it ended up being that they were ready to leave, and I was instead of taking ten percent of one location, I was taking fifty percent of all the locations.
0: right. And was that scary for you
1: uh the uh The initial uh loan payments were certainly a bit uh overwhelming to look at at you know that young of an age, but it's kind of one of those uh thank God, I was too stupid to realize what I was getting myself into. <laughs>
0: Totally, I think that that's uh, sometimes. Uh, what do they say? You know, not knowing not knowing is better than knowing too much. You know, you know. Sometimes you want to go into something and not and have to learn it as you go. Sometimes you'll be better at it that way.
1: A, a little bit, yes.
0: So, what is the daily what does the day look in the life of Dave Summers? What is it? You have three three four locations now. So, actually, when was it the point where you own the three? Did you open the fourth?
1: Um, we, uh, opened the fourth location, uh, about 12 years ago. Um, we had, the original concept of Mad Mushroom had been to be on college campuses. And we had realized that as wonderful as that is, you still get about three and a half, four months out of the year where you're not making any money. So we realized we needed to try to find some sort of residential, uh, avenue as well and we had an opportunity with a location um, just across town from our Purdue University location that opened up and there's a gentleman who was looking to sell his pizzeria business there so we were able to go in to that location at uh, the right cost to be able to open our fourth location there.
0: And that location was obviously a different name?
1: Yes it had been uh, I think at the time that we took it over had been called tony's pizza it It had throughout that location over the past six years previous to us taking it over had changed hands about three or four different times
0: and that was 12 years ago so you guys kind of stabilized that location yes so um how was that transition from did you close down the business and refurbish and then reopen or did you just kind of change the name and stay open
1: um no the only thing that we kept from that location was the walk-in cooler and the phone number
0: so you kind of opened up as a new business
1: yeah everything else was shut down for probably three to four weeks and then we you know did a grand opening as mad mushroom pizza and we'd already established ourselves in the town on the campus area well enough that when we opened there people knew who we were
0: right they were familiar with the name Yes. How far apart are all four of those locations?
1: Well, um, originally we had locations at uh, Purdue University, Indiana University, and the University of Kentucky. Um, my partner who lives in Lexington and I live in West Lafayette, um, so the IU location was halfway in between us. That's one we actually have ended up closing down.
0: So how, many, mi- to- how many miles between those two campuses? Um.
1: It's a three-and-a-half to four-hour drive.
0: Oh, wow. So it's far. So,
1: yeah, and he's based in our uh, Lexington locations, and I'm based up in our Indiana locations. Okay.
0: So that's actually a good partnership because he lives down there, he? did he yes. live down there, or did he move down there?
1: He lived down there already. Yeah. I actually lived down there as well when we purchased it, and I moved back up to Indiana.
0: Okay. So how does it, what does a day look like between managing those multiple locations? Like what are your daily tasks or how do you organize your managers or do you have checklists or systems? Can you guys go into that a little bit? Explain it for us.
1: Uh, certainly. We, uh, we have checklists um, is really a, uh, is really a big part of our management procedures. Um, you know, from your opening task in the morning, you know, come in, unlock the door, open the safe, you know, count your tills down, turn on the, coffee maker, turn on the ovens, you know, basically everything is on that list for the person in charge that morning, what they need to do. Um, And then as then, you know, unlock the doors at, you know, 10 a.m. for business. At that point, you know, first item on the checklist is give excellent customer service. And we go through that way. So there's for our management staff, they have a list they can always refer to as to what they need to be doing on an ongoing basis throughout the day. At the end of that first shift, they have a list of the things they need to check off before they leave. The new manager coming in for the evening shift has a list of stuff to make sure that was accomplished. At the end of the night, they have their list to check everything over.
0: And you go through that, or what's the what's the process for the management? Like, how is, What's the follow-up process for making sure that those things get done? Not necessarily for the managers to follow up with the employees, but who's in charge of making sure the managers do their job?
1: And that's, and that's where you're falling on to Steve and myself. Um, and that comes through random store visits, you know, unannounced so they don't know when we're coming in. Yep. Um, to scheduled store visits so that they know when we'll be there and that they need to be on their game. It, it really is just an ongoing process of uh, training. It's, uh, our philosophy is that training never ends. Right. There's always room for improvement, even including within Steve and myself.
0: Yeah, you're always trying to learn new things. There's no, you never know everything, especially with uh, the way technology is moving so quickly. It's not, things come up so fast and things change very, very quickly that you're always having to learn something new.
1: I completely agree. I think one of the uh, the best uh, quotes I'd heard recently was, uh, you know, one of the best things to know is what you don't know. <laughs>
0: totally. I totally agree If you agree know what you that. don't
1: know, then you know what to learn.
0: Right. Now, following up with that, when it comes to moving quickly in social media, and marketing, what's working for you best in the marketing world right now?
1: In the marketing world, honestly, our best thing is still uh, old-fashioned paper, uh, which is using direct mail and using door hangers and using box tops. And
0: what kind of messages do you put on those? What, what is your customer base looking for? Are they looking for just coupons or are they looking to see what's going on new with you guys?
1: Um, I, I think it's uh, partially to see what's going on new, partially for coupons. A lot of uh, we do a lot of uh, LTO or limited time offers where we'll come out with a new pizza recipe that we'll do, you know, just for a couple months, and we'll use that to get it out there. Um, I'd say one of our strongest things on all of our marketing material, um, we include our name and our phone number, but I'd say the largest thing on there now is our web address and getting trying to get them to order online. And how long have you so, been doing
0: online ordering for?
1: Oh goodness! Um, through our own website, probably about four years. But before that, uh, we were using the other online ordering companies. It was—I uh, mean, it was Campus Food was the first one that came to us. Oh, eight, nine, even maybe almost even a decade ago.
0: Oh wow! So how how have you seen the change, the transition from phone calls to online ordering? Has that been a, a gradual increase of online orders, like it has been for everybody else?
1: um it's, uh the the online presence kind of we almost see a bump uh we again since we're we are primarily at like campus location we almost right. look at things on a on a yearly basis you know starting in august and it's definitely every August that we definitely see a, a little bump of people doing that but we you know we lose twenty percent of our clientele every year and we get a new twenty percent that comes in and as our clientele gets I guess we're getting older and older. They're not getting younger and younger. Right. But <laughs> as those <as words> come <laughs> through, they're much – they prefer to – I almost have to say a lack of human communication. They prefer to touch their screens and and you have to have plenty of information out there so they're able to do that.
0: No, you're totally right. I think the um, those the college kids, I don't, I don't think they're in the millennial generation. They might be on the end of it, but they're definitely in the generation Y. And they are. They're not going to go – you know, they're, they're the generation that's going to watch TV and be on their phone at the same time multitasking. They're not going to call you. They're going to go look online for your business. And, you know, they're going to research you through their friends and through social media to make sure that you are who you say you are.
1: 100%. So, it's, our, uh, you know, as I, I guess, I, you know, I did mention marketing. You know, we do a lot of the direct mail and the the paper. But, you know, and then you go back beyond that to the number one oldest form of marketing, which is word of mouth. Right. Which is, you know, even bigger with Gen Y and millennials, because not only do they talk to each other, they'll post on their different accounts, you know, and that's that's their word of mouth system.
0: Yeah, definitely. The, the word of mouth has changed, not necessarily picking up the phone or talking to someone face to face. It's posting a status update on your Facebook page or on Instagram or Snapchat or something like that.
1: Correct. Instead of talking to five or six people, they're posting it to five or six hundred.
0: Yeah. Like Gary Vaynerchuk said, you can just be you can be kind of a recluse in your basement and have the same communication as you would be out at a networking party. Yes. Um, so how are you keeping up with does the school let you advertise in the school?
1: Um, they will do uh, certain events um, before the school starts for the incoming classes where they allow the businesses to come in and promote themselves and to that such. Um, But a lot of it is uh, community involvement. is what we try to be very strong in working with the different – at our campus locations, we try to work with the different student organizations with their fundraisers and that sort of thing at our our residential locations. uh, We still try to be a very heavy uh, community involvement working with the local elementary or high schools.
0: And what's the percentage of kids that go to those two colleges that live are from that area? Is it a small percentage, or is it the vast majority are from other other states?
1: Well, it's it's a bit different uh, demographics at each location. Uh, Purdue University has uh, one of the highest international student populations uh, in in the United States. Yeah. Um, where Kentucky uh, University of Kentucky has a strong. Um, based inside the state of Kentucky, but a lot of those students aren't necessarily from the Lexington area.
0: Right. So they are aware of the Kentucky University, but they didn't, they might have lived like you, three and a half four hours away. Correct. Okay. So when when it comes to um, your online ordering, what P, what POS system do you guys have?
1: Uh, we use uh, Prism by MicroWorks.
0: Okay, and do you do email marketing?
1: We, uh, we actually uh, have recently started a partnership with Moving Targets to handle our email marketing. I uh, was previously using uh, MailChimp for that, which is a, a, a system where you do all your own design work and build the emails yourself and send them out with your email list, which we build through our POS system is how we get the majority of our emails. Right. But our list was getting to the size through that because of our online ordering to the point where the cost at MailChimp to build it myself became the same to use moving targets to where I could have their graphic designers help us out.
0: Right. So you just said, hey, it's going to cost me the same amount of money anyway. And I'm a pizza guy. I'm not a tech guy. So I might as well hand hand it off to someone who actually knows that what they're doing there.
1: that's That's probably one of the biggest things I've learned in the past five to six years where I used to think I knew about technology and how to do all these things. It's I was, I was a very, uh, very advanced technology person for a pizza person, but I'm a very pizza person for a technology guy.
0: (laughs) You're almost, you're better at pizza, right? Stick with what you're better at. Yes. Um, Excellent. So uh, when it comes to hiring employees, you obviously have four locations spread out across, you know, a, a large area. What is it that you look for? What's the system that you have for finding, hiring, and training employees? Like who is – is there a certain type of person that you look for when you're looking to hire someone?
1: Uh, When we're looking to hire our employees, our first – the first resource we use are our current employees. We use an employee recruitment program where if our employees bring in a new employee that lasts – over X amount of days because it varies per location, um, then we will reward them with a cash amount. And the reason we use that is because our employees want to work with people that they enjoy working with and that are going to work as hard as them. Right. And if they go out and help us find those people, those people tend to stick around more. When we just put a sign in the window and we do the interview process of, hey, you know, getting, getting the people coming off the street – that's, I'd say, a, you know, 60% good, 40% bad. You have this, a lot of the people will come in for the interview and look like a fantastic candidate and two weeks into it, either we realize it's not the best job for them or they realize it's not the best job for them. Right. Just- using, the, using our current employees as the resource, they already have an opportunity to explain to the uh, potential employee what the job really entails. And then they know when they're coming in what to expect.
0: I agree with you. I think that's a good point too. Whereas, if you have an employee working for you, and they're going to put their name on the line for somebody else, they're going to make sure that that somebody else isn't going to make them look bad. Because even if they don't, if they're just looking for someone to hire because it's their friend, they still, at the end of the day, don't want that friend to mess up their opportunity that they may have with that establishment. Exactly. So that's a great program there. Well, when you when you do hire someone, what's the training process like? Is it just kind of going with someone who's uh, doing the job and kind of watching them, or do you have a system for that?
1: Um, we do our, we have a, a pseudo system, I guess, is the the way I'd put it best. Um, I know for sure there are some better ones out there, and we're, that's kind of some part of our training process we're trying to, to better some, is the initial beginning of it. Um, but we bring them in on their first day, and hand them their uniform, go through the policy manual, and you know, that takes, you know, anywhere from an hour and 15 to an hour and 45 minutes. And that's just kind of a manager and employee one-on-one. And, you know, the, the new employee at that point is almost bored already. Right. You know, that's, that's something we're trying to figure out how to do better. Looking at it maybe using videos or other things that I've seen other companies use, but at that same point there, I'm not sure how much more involved that employee becomes. Right. Um, you know, once they get once they get through all the, the legalese you have to go through because you have to tell them all those things, though, we get them working uh, with an employee in the same position they're going to be in, whether it be counter or pizza maker or delivery driver, and they'll shadow that employee for the next hour and a half or so, and then they'll head on home. So about three hours on the first shift, they'll come in for their second shift, uh, which will be another two to three hour shift, and they'll shadow a different employee at that same position.
0: Okay, so it's and like at d- the
1: end of, go go ahead, ahead. Sorry.
0: It's like doubling up to make sure that they get you know different looks and feels of how those same positions work from different people.
1: Exactly. we We try to make sure they have two different ones there, um, you know, of our more experienced people as well. And at the end of that second uh, the second training session, we'll they'll sit back down with the manager on duty. And they'll give them a, I don't even really want to call it a test, but it's kind of a, okay, these are the things that they should have covered. Are you, you know, are you aware of how to do this? If they're, you know, if they're a counter personnel, are they completely fluent and able to take an order over the phone? You know, right. But after several hours, they should be able to do that on their own. If they're a pizza maker, you know, can they tell you how much sausage goes on a large pizza, which ladle to use for the sauce, how much cheese goes on this item? You know, they may not be the fastest at that point, but they have the idea down and, and then it becomes a a continual training process. Yeah, you know, I, from there we can we can perfect the sauce technique, we can, you know, distribute the sausage a little better on the pizza however it may be, but they need to have that basic understanding after their first two shifts.
0: Right, I totally agree. You got to hire for, you know, work ethic and the personality because you can train them how to make a pizza is a trainable skill. It's not something that somebody has in their ability. But having a good work ethic, you know, the ability to work well with others, and the attitude to really want to get ahead in life is something that you can't teach someone. They either have it or they don't.
1: I, I agree 100%. And and I'd like to say that I, I've i heard from uh, other people that you know they, they feel that this next generation may not have that as much. And I, I'd like to say that I've definitely seen an upswing in the past couple of years uh, in, in the work ethic of the kids.
0: I don't think that this generation doesn't have it. I just think that it's maybe a little bit harder to find in them and you have to ask them different questions than you used to have to ask. You know, when we were younger, you asked, you know, you know, it was all about how much money am I going to make? How many hours can I work? You know, what am I going to get out of it? This generation, it's, it's a little different. They don't necessarily have that pay rate matters, but it's not the most important thing to them.
1: I, I agree 100. percent I, I think that the enjoyment of their job and is is a little more important.
0: Totally, you know, it's a, it's like what are they what are they doing? Is it making them feel good? And is there a purpose? And if there is a purpose to what they're doing, that excites them more than the hourly rate.
1: Yeah, I, I can't remember who it was. It was uh, one of the one of the gentlemen who's given fantastic seminars at Pizza Expo in the past. Um, but one of the things that has stuck with me for years is. Your employees uh, listen to the radio station FM. What's in it for me? Yeah, you're and, right. And, that has, and it has changed over the years. You know, a decade ago, what was in it for them used to be a bigger paycheck. Right. Now now for them, it's enjoyment of their job and having time off, you know, and having a, a work balance. Right. A work-life balance.
0: Totally. I totally agree. I just did an interview with uh, Nick Cirillo. Are you familiar with him? Yes. Uh, I just did an interview with him last interview uh, it's, uh, this is, it just came out two days ago and he gives some great tips on exactly what we're talking about now. You know, how you have to build around the personalities of the people you're hiring. It's not necessarily about, you know, okay, come in, this is the job, this is make a pizza, this is how much money you get. They have to be into the business and they have to really want to be into the business. You know, he says that, um, he has a process of hiring people and Half of the people he interviews don't even make it through the interview process. It's not because of what he tells them; it's just because of the process he has, the questions that he asks, and the things that he has them do before they even become a, uh, an employee. That just kind of weeds out those people, and he gets to work with the people who really want to work and get ahead.
1: Wonderful having a uh, a employee uh, base that large to be able to do that.
0: Yes, yeah, it's, it's totally like <laughs> the. I think that's the way that we have to look at it in the pizza industry now. Is th- like you said, you have to look at it differently. I know the the when it comes to marketing, your message doesn't change, but the way you deliver it does. And it's the same way with working employee. You know the, the the before it used to be okay. This is how much I can pay you. Now this is about what I can provide you. That's what you have to really look at it that way.
1: That's one of the best words I've ever heard for that uh, description. Yeah. It, it kind of covers everything because the providing covers your money aspect, but it also covers your enjoyment aspect and your. Your, you know, our, our new newest catchphrase is probably your work-life balance aspect. Yeah, totally
0: agree with that 100%. Hey, Dave, where can uh, thank you so much for coming on with me today. Where can everybody uh, find you if they want to get a hold of you or look up what you're doing?
1: Our uh, website is uh, www.madmushroom.com. You um, can find us on Instagram, mad.mush. Um, each of our stores have their own Twitter accounts, but we do also have at Mad Mushroom as a company account. And uh, through Facebook, each of our locations have them uh, Mad Mush Purdue, Mad Mush UK, uh, any of those around. And if anybody has any further questions or wants to get a hold of me personally, they can always email me. Uh, My email is David Summers, D A V I D S O M M E R S, at madmushroom.com.
0: Excellent, Dave. I'll, I'll link up all that in the show notes too. I might not put your email on the, on the show notes, but I'll definitely link up your website and all your Facebook stuff. If you could give one piece of advice to anybody looking to either get into this business or grow a business like you have, what would that one piece of advice be?
1: Love what you do.
0: I've heard that make from sure many people.
1: Make sure that that's what you, uh, you know, that's, that's, it's just, it, it, you need to love what you do to make it worth going to work every day.
0: Right. I think there's a saying out there that says if you wake up, if you really love what you're doing, you don't work a day in your life.
1: Uh, I've seen that, and uh, you know, as much as I do love what I do, there are still there are still some days that it is work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess it wouldn't be fun that much fun then if it wasn't. If it was easy, everybody <laughs> would do it, right? Exactly. Hey, Dave, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to join me. Thank you so much for coming on. Great stuff today. No problem, Bruce. Thank you for having me. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. Thank you so much to Dave for coming on and sharing some great information about his business. And I hope that you guys got something out of that. If you want the show notes or to check out what Dave's doing over at the Mad Mushroom, head over to smartpizzamarketing.com. This is episode number 39. So just type in smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash 39. That will bring you to the show notes for this episode. And you can find Dave, all the links to Dave and everything there. Also, if you want the emails and the email subject lines that I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, shoot me an email, Bruce, at smartpizzamarketing.com. I will send you those right away as soon as I can. Um, okay, if you give us an iTunes, uh, a review on iTunes, that would be great. You can go to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash iTunes, give us a quick review. That would really help us grow the show. Also, Google announced that we are going to be coming out on Google and the Google Play Store uh, in early 2016, so that's exciting for podcasters like me. We can uh, reach a larger audience because right now, if you have an Android phone, it's a little bit tricky to find us. It's not like iTunes. So Google announced that they will be coming out with in the Google Play Store podcasts, so you can easily find us if you are on Android. So look for us there in early 2016, and great some great, great guests coming up in the next few weeks. Um, I know that I have only put out one episode the last couple weeks, but I've been really working hard interviewing people and trying to find some great guests in the next three, four weeks, five weeks. It's going to be great. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so that way you don't miss any future episodes. And uh, okay, I think that's it. We'll see you next time.